Traditions give continuity to life. They keep us connected with our past, give us a sense of security in the present, and take away some of our apprehension about the future. It's important to establish traditions in our homes, in our churches, and in society at large. I mean, what would Christmas be without family traditions? And who would come to church if they had no idea what to expect on Sunday or whether they should even come on a particular Sunday? It's our tradition to meet at 9.15 or shortly thereafter. Uh, on Sunday mornings. And it's traditional for us to sing together, to, to give, to study God's word, and to share in the Lord's table. Traditions aren't bad, and rituals aren't wrong, not in and of themselves. But there are times when right is wrong. There are times when observing traditions and rituals not only become empty and meaningless, but when they actually keep us from doing what God wants us to do and being what God wants us to be. The scribes and Pharisees had allowed that to happen in Jesus' day. And Jesus, therefore, was not hesitant to challenge their traditions and we see them coming into confrontation over traditions in our text for today. Jesus and the disciples have returned to the western shore of the Sea of Galilee and are quickly caught up in the pressures of ministry when the Pharisees point out that they're failing to observe the traditions of the elders. The contrast between what Jesus and the disciples were doing and what the Pharisees thought to be important makes it evident that right is wrong when it takes precedence over ministry. We're finishing up the sixth chapter and moving in to the seventh chapter of Mark's gospel this morning. And when they had crossed over, they came to land at Gennesaret and moored to the shore. And when they had come out of the boat, immediately the people recognized them and ran about that whole country and began to carry about on their pallets those who were sick to the place they heard he was. And wherever he entered villages or cities or countryside, they were laying the sick in the marketplaces and entreating him that they might just touch the fringe of his cloak. And as many as touched it were being cured. And the Pharisees and some of the scribes gathered together around him when they had come from Jerusalem and had seen that some of his disciples were eating their bread with impure hands, that is, unwashed. For the Pharisees and all the Jews do not eat unless they carefully wash their hands, thus observing the traditions of the elders. And when they come from the marketplace, they do not eat unless they cleanse themselves. And there are many other things which they have received in order to observe, such as the washing of cups and pitchers and copper pots. And the Pharisees and scribes asked him, 
Why do your disciples not walk according to the tradition of the elders, but eat their hand, their bread with impure hands? Jesus and the disciples had left the populous western shore of Galilee to spend time alone at an isolated spot on the eastern shore. They needed time to reflect on the disciples' recent teaching tour, and Jesus wanted some private teaching time to help them understand his true identity and purpose in coming to earth. But as we saw last week, their time alone was limited to the boat ride across the lake. For when they arrived, a great multitude was waiting for them. They've now returned back to the western shore, landing south of Capernaum, their home base, at Gennesaret. No doubt having been blown off course by the wind, the disciples had been fighting all night. As soon as they tie up the boat... People recognize Jesus and start running all over the country, gathering up the sick and bringing them to Jesus. In every village or city they went through, the sick were waiting for them in the marketplace. They were even lining the countryside, just hoping to touch the fringe of his cloak, fringe that was probably made up of tassels Jewish men had been told to attach to the corners of their garment to remind them to be obedient to the law. Everyone who touched the fringe was healed. Now, I doubt that Jesus would just let the healing take place without personal attention from him. You remember how he sought out the woman who touched his garment and was healed back in chapter 5. So he and the disciples were kept very busy ministering to people's needs as they worked their way home. The Pharisees and scribes, in the meantime, had sent another delegation from Jerusalem to check out this rabbi who was causing such a stir. They could see all that Jesus and the disciples were doing in the marketplace. They could see people being healed and needs being met. But what concerned them most was that the disciples weren't washing their hands before eating. Now, they weren't concerned about personal hygiene or the disciples' health. They were worried about ceremonial cleanliness to them Cleanliness was next to godliness. God had ordained that priests wash in the laver before entering the tabernacle, and the elders had decreed that all Jewish men should wash their hands themselves and everything else that might have come in contact with unclean people in the marketplace before praying and eating. The disciples, however, had been too busy ministering to worry about traditional rituals. They grabbed a piece of bread when they could, and they kept on ministering. Jesus was probably doing the same thing. But the Pharisees weren't ready to personally confront him, uh, not yet anyway, so they made an end run by criticizing his disciples. Well, even before we get to Jesus' response to their criticism, it's easy to see that Jesus felt ministering was more important than traditions. 
If therefore we are more concerned about rituals and services and schedules than ministering to individuals and their needs, we have moved away from the priorities of Jesus. Right is therefore wrong when it takes precedence over ministry. And right is wrong when it encourages hypocrisy. Let's read on. And he said to them, Rightly did Isaiah prophesy of you hypocrites, as it is written, This people honors me with their lips, but their heart is far from me. But in vain do they worship me, teaching as doctrines the precepts of men, neglecting the commandment of God. You hold to the tradition of men. In their zeal for maintaining tradition, the scribes and Pharisees had become hypocrites. Now, the word hypocrite is a very interesting word. It originally meant one who answers. Then it came to mean one who answers in a set dialogue or a set conversation. And finally, it came to mean an actor, but not just an actor on a stage, but one whose whole life was a piece of acting. The scribes and Pharisees had become Actors, they said the right lines, they went through the right motions, they appeared to be religious. But as Isaiah had prophesied, they honored God with their lips, but their hearts were far from him. And traditions and rituals do make it easy to focus on externals. If you do the right things, no one has to know what's going on in your heart. You know, a legalistic Jew in Jesus' day might have hatred in his heart, be full of envy, jealousy, bitterness, and pride. But as long as he carried out the correct hand washing, he thought he was clean before God. But Jesus didn't buy into that kind of religion, and neither can we. If we begin judging each other or ourselves by externals, our primary concern will be appearances. We'll want to appear to be righteous at all costs. We'll try to hide our sin and our needs so we can keep up appearances. And that destroys the church and its effectiveness as the saving institution Jesus intended it to be. When we can convince ourselves and everyone else that everything is fine with us spiritually because our attendance is regular and we take on ministry responsibilities when in fact everything is not okay, we have become hypocrites just playing a part following a script. Obviously that can keep us from examining ourselves from seeking the help we need, and from coming clean before God. And it can lead others who know us intimately into thinking Christianity is merely about appearances. If our rituals encourage us to act religious, 
When our heart is far away from God, right has become wrong. Right is also wrong when it sets aside commandments. He was also saying to them, you nicely set aside the commandment of God in order to keep your tradition. For Moses said, honor your father and your mother, and he who speaks evil of father or mother, let him be put to death. But you say, if a man says to his father or his mother, anything of mine that might have been helped by you is Corban, that is to say, given to God, you no longer permit him to do anything for his father or his mother, thus invalidating the word of God by your tradition, which you have handed down. And you do many such as that. The word tradition comes from a word that actually means handing down or handing over. It can even be used of betrayal, handing someone over, or surrender. And can take on the connotation of substitution. And that's what traditions can become. A substitution. There are attempts to give God a substitute instead of what he really wants. He says, I want you. And we say, "Mm, how about something else? Uh, I'll give you my religious devotion, my Sunday mornings, 10% of my income, and maybe even 10% of my time. But no, no, you can't have all of me. That's what traditions, rituals, religious acts can do for us. They can enable us to offer God a substitute, something good perhaps, but not what he wants. And they can go even further. The Jews had found a way to make it look like they had given everything to God when in reality they were giving him nothing and were actually disobeying him. By dedicating his possessions to God, a Jew could legally ignore his God-given responsibilities. If he would declare his positions Corban, Hebrew meaning a gift, he could put them in a type of tax shelter that no one could touch. The experts in religious law were the, the chief offenders of this tradition, Since they were religious professionals, they could dedicate all that they had to God and therefore have nothing left with which to meet their obligations. A prime example of this was in getting out of supporting elderly parents. There's no welfare or social security. And God had commanded the children to honor their parents, and that meant more than sending them cards on Mother's Day and Father's Day. It meant taking care of them. By giving all to God and his work, a scribe could politely and religiously declare that he was unable to care for his parents because he had nothing. Everything belonged to God. The tradition enabled them to set aside the commandment of God. And when that happens, what? Right is wrong. 
But what application does that have for us today? Most of us have never heard of Corbin. But there are families that are neglected under the guise of serving God. Many churches paint a traditional picture of a good Christian as one who attends every service of the church, serves on boards or committees, and regularly makes calls on behalf of the church. To them, the mark of maturity is sacrifice, but not necessarily sacrifice of self. Sacrifice your wife. Sacrifice your children. Sacrifice your job and, and fill up your life with religious activities. You know, I'm convinced there are times when it's more religious to wrestle with your kids. Take your wife out on a date or take a second job to meet your obligations than it is to attend a Bible study. Now, that's not to say you shouldn't attend a Bible study, or sing on the praise team, or take on a ministry. What I'm saying is that religious activities cannot become an excuse for failing to meet your God-given responsibilities. If they do, you've set aside the commandments of God in order to keep your traditions, and at that point, right is wrong. It's also wrong when it ignores the root of sin. And after he called the multitude to him again, he began saying to them, Listen to me, all of you, and understand. There is nothing outside the man which going into him can defile him. But the things which proceed out of the man are what defile the man. If any man has ears to hear, let him hear. And when leaving the multitude, he had entered the house. His disciples questioned him about the parable. And he said to them, are you so lacking in understanding also? Do you not understand that whatever goes into the man from outside cannot defile him? Because it does not go into his heart, but into his stomach, and is eliminated. Thus, he declared all foods clean. And he was saying, that which proceeds out of the man, that is what defiles the man. For from within, out of the heart of men, proceed the evil thoughts, fornications, thefts, murders, adulteries, deeds of coveting and wickedness, as well as deceit, sensuality, envy, slander, pride, and foolishness. All these things, these evil things, proceed from within and defile the man. The Jews were afraid of being defiled by what they ate or how they ate it. Jesus said it didn't matter what you ate or how you ate it. Now, that was a shocking thing for him to say. You know, God's the one who had designated some animals clean and fit for human consumption and some unclean not to be eaten, at least by God's people, the Jews. Why he had made those distinctions, we're not told. It may have had something to do with, with health issues. We're all aware that when pigs are fed on slop, 
and the meat is undercooked, there's a good chance of getting trichinosis. I think you all knew that. Maybe that had something to do with the regulations. Or they may have been simply religious in nature to distinguish Jews from Gentiles. We really don't know. Whatever the case, Mark does indicate that Jesus changed all that. He declared all foods clean. Now, maybe he did so because the Jews had taken it too far. They'd started worrying more about what was going in than what was coming out. And he really wasn't concerned about what went in. Because that's not what defiles a man. Eating the wrong foods, even with dirty hands, won't defile a man. What's taken in simply goes through the digestive tract and is eliminated. What defiles a man is what comes out of him. Thoughts, words, actions that come from his heart, his soul, the center of his being. Jesus said a man is defiled from within by what proceeds from his heart and that from the heart of man proceed evil thoughts, fornications, premarital sexual activity, thefts, murders, adulteries, extramarital sexual activity, deeds of coveting and wickedness, as well as deceit, sensuality, seeking to trigger illicit sexual responses and create sexual fantasies, envy, slander, pride, and foolishness, a lack of moral discernment. Now, do notice that many of these sins can't be seen readily. Evil thoughts, Coveting, envy, and pride can't in and of themselves be seen, but they're just as defiling as those things we can see. Thefts, murders, sexual sins, deeds of wickedness. No one would doubt the defiling nature of sins that can be seen, but those we can't see are often ignored and overlooked. And if spirituality is judged on the basis of externals, the lack of obvious sins and the faithful observance of religious rituals and traditions, people can appear to be holy and acceptable to God when in fact they are not. Now it's true, we can't see into the heart of a man, but God can and God will. So if we convince ourselves and others that we are fine before God because we look fine on the outside, we may in fact be in for a big shock on Judgment Day. And if religious rituals allow us to, blind, to be blind to the true nature of our heart, right again has become wrong. You know, I'm afraid there are far too many people who think they're acceptable to God because they go to church and give to the church and even serve in the church. Now, obviously, don't misunderstand me. Those aren't bad things to do. But if in doing them we ignore the condition of our heart 
and never seek to have our heart made clean by the blood of Christ, we become like the scribes and Pharisees, who on another occasion Jesus likened to whitewashed tombs, beautiful on the outside, but full of dead men's bones and all uncleanness. Our religious traditions and rituals are wrong if they allow us to conceal our need to be cleansed. If you're hiding behind a religious facade, I pray you'll lay your heart open before God this morning. Ask him to cleanse you from every sin and set you free from sin and hypocrisy. You know, this is a message that needs to be heard a lot, I think. It's so easy for people to play church. Sometimes we look at a big successful church and active people and say, man, those are great Christians. And they might be. Or they might not be. Sometimes we look at a small church and say, oh, what a wonderful body of faithful believers they are. And they might be or they might not be. We can all play church. It's easy to pretend to be something we're not, especially when those who know us see us. We want to put on a good face. We've got to be so careful about that. So careful. It's easy to fall into a pattern of thinking we're okay because we look okay. Because our attendance is good. And we're serving and we're giving. Now, attending, serving, and giving is important. Again, I don't want to be misunderstood there. But don't let that take the place of coming clean before God. I'm not saying you have to come up and confess your sins to me. Confessing sins to one another might be helpful if it brings accountability into your life. But confess your sins to God. Acknowledge to him perhaps your walk with him has not been what he wants it to be. You've been giving him substitutes. You've been pretending to be something that you're not. And we can all do that. Preachers do that too, you know. We've got to be so careful. The leaders of the Jewish religious community were caught up in traditions and rituals that they thought more important than ministering and coming clean before God. May that never be true of us. If you need to acknowledge your sin, if you need to come clean before God, you're invited to do so where you sit. Or if you need to create a sense of accountability with brothers and sisters, I invite you to come. And say, cleanse me, oh God. Let's stand.